Hey, I'm Ben Ramos, and I get the privilege of serving here as the senior pastor. We are a church all about the authentic power of God coupled with sound theology. Because God's given us his inerrant, infallible word, and in it, he calls us to be people who are filled by his Holy Spirit, people who are empowered by his Holy Spirit, and people who are led by his Holy Spirit. As a local congregation, God's called us to help people take steps in their relationship with Jesus, to see them rise from death to life and glory to glory. I just want to thank you guys so much for joining us today. I truly pray and I hope that this message would be an encouragement to you and your life, that it would help you to recognize that the mission field is all around you and that it would help you to take steps in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed. Jesus, would it be so? Would your favor be shined upon us? Lord, I just pray that you would be moving through this service. On this Resurrection Sunday, we rejoice in the new life. We rejoice in our sins being paid. We rejoice that we serve and live and walk with a God who is here right now. You're a today God. You're a this moment God. You're a I can do this God. Because all things are possible with you. And so we pray this morning that as we would jump into your word, Holy Spirit, you are a far greater teacher than me or anybody else on this planet. And so I pray right now that you would teach, that you would take, that you would take specific messages and bring them to each person. Do you believe that this morning? That God could do that? That wherever you're at, that God could give you a specific message for your life? I believe. I believe. Say it with me. I believe. I believe that, Lord. And so would you do that? Encourage and shape us this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. We're so blessed by you guys. Thank you, thank you. Well, this morning, we get to celebrate a happy Resurrection Sunday. Some call it Easter. I say Resurrection Sunday because it helps me to remember what this is all about. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as it would be said in more liturgical style worship services, someone might say, he is risen. And then someone else might respond by saying, he is risen indeed. So with the few that are here with me in the room and everybody who's watching online, would you do this with me? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's try it again. He is risen Come on, and this is a, a declaration that we can be sharing everywhere that we go. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We're talking about Jesus Christ, that he was risen from the dead by the power of God. 
that he was rose from death to life and glory to glory. And the same power of God that did that, the spirit of God is the same spirit of God that is right here, right now. If I've given my life to Jesus, that means he lives inside of me and he can empower me in the same way that God has been doing all along. Now, I want to consider for a moment this, the timeline of this week we would call Holy Week. I want to consider some of the the things, the events that took place during this week. It was last Sunday that we would uh, call Palm Sunday as Jesus would have come into Jerusalem and people are laying down these palm branches saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, save us. And they had this idea that Jesus was coming in as this militaristic leader, that he's going to come in with these forces and they're super excited. And we continue on in this story. By the time we get to Tuesday, Jesus is sharing a message around uh, the, the, the great commandment where he says to love God and to love people. It's been an anthem here in our church for somewhere around 30 years, maybe even longer. Love God, love people. By Wednesday, Judas would decide that he was going to betray Jesus, that he was going to give him up for money. By 6 p.m. on Thursday, the disciples are gathering around a table and they're having this Passover meal and they're having this Lord's Supper. That night after the meal, it would be sometime around midnight crossing into Friday morning where Jesus would be in the garden of Gethsemane and he'd be praying, asking the father to take this cup from me, but your will be done, O father. By 3 a.m. early that Friday morning, Jesus is brought before Caiaphas, the the high priest, by 6 a.m., he's then brought to Pilate, then Herod, then to Pilate again, and by 9 a.m., Pilate consents to Jesus's death, and he's taken, he carries his cross to Golgotha, the, uh, the hill of the skull, where he's crucified, where his blood is spilt, where his body is broken. He's hung on that cross, breathing his last breath somewhere between noon and three, soon to be taken down, to be laid in the tomb, for that tomb to be locked tight by a giant stone. By Saturday, the women and the people are observing the Sabbath. And by Sunday morning, we get to this glorious, this glorious celebration where they would come to the tomb and that rock was rolled away. And Jesus was risen by the power of God. And we get this reasoning here in John 3.16 where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever, that whoever, that whoever believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son uh, to condemn the world but to in order that the world might be saved through him. And so we think about Jesus coming and we consider some of the events around it. We've got two major holidays, uh, two major uh, holidays around Jesus that we would celebrate. The first being Christmas. 
uh, where we would celebrate this, this baby Jesus coming, God the Son stepping down from his heavenly throne to be a, a little baby, to come and live this sinless life, to pay the price for our sins ultimately. And then um, this, this Resurrection Sunday, we get to celebrate. But consider the people that Jesus was sent to. This is the people of Israel, this chosen nation, the, the, the Jewish people group, right? Jesus was sent unto, unto them. And uh, we recognize that the people of Israel, they were, they were the chosen people of God. God chose them out of every other race, out of every other people group, every, out of every other ethnicity. He chose them and he said, listen, I am going to be your God and you are going to be my people. And I want you to, to live in a certain way because I am holy, so you shall be holy also. In other words, I want you to live in a specific way so that the rest of the world can look in on who you are and understand what it looks like to live a life with the true God. Now, it was never meant to be just for this people group. It was meant for something where we would come into today, and the Bible says that we as non-Jews are called Gentiles, and for us Gentiles, we're able to be grafted in. We're able to be a part of this family, added in. How? By the blood of Jesus. And so we consider this, these events in light of the Jewish people. And so this, these events that we just walked through of Holy Week, they actually have um, a, a special place within the Jewish calendar, and that's called Passover. This is the time of year it is for the people of Israel. All over the world, they're celebrating Passover. And originally, it's a time of celebration of, uh, we remember when the people of Israel were captives of of the Egyptians, and they were uh, being treated harshly. And that went on for a little while, somewhere around 400 years. Um, and so long, long time, they're crying out to God, and God, God makes a way, because God is the way maker. God makes a way for them to be free and gives them this freedom. And this celebration of Passover is that time. It's a celebrating for the people of Israel, the Jewish people, to remember how God set them free, how God set them free. And we get to remember that today. Now, a part of the uh, Jewish Passover meal, today you might hear it as like a Jewish Passover Seder. Um, a part of what they do is something that I want to bring in to us as a part of our service today. And it's called Afikomen. Y'all know what that is? Afikomen. It's pretty cool. And so uh, one of the things, well, uh, uh, largely so much of what they do within this Passover Seder is very symbolic. Every little thing means something. And so what they do with Afikomen is they have this bread and they have um, a, little, uh, a little white bag and it has three sections in it. And it has bread in it. This is called the unity bag. Now, I personally am not Jewish and I don't have a unity bag. But what I do have is a shooting bag. 
I hope this doesn't hurt anybody's feelings, but this is what I got. I've got a shooting bag with three sections in it. I don't know if you can zoom in and actually see that, but there are three sections in it, and I have some bread. Now, it's not unleavened bread, so unleavened bread would be used traditionally, and within it, you would see like these little puncture holes, and you would see these stripes if you look on a very close level of these pieces of bread. But what they would do within this unity bag, and I've, I've got my friends again, if you were a part of communion last week, uh, I brought out my friends because that's what I had in my house, and I can remember Jesus however I want to remember him, uh, or in whatever way, rather. And so out of this unity bag with these three sections, what they would do is they would take the second piece, the piece that was in the middle. They would take it out at the beginning of the feast, and... Here's what they would do. They break it. And as they break it, they wrap it in a linen cloth. And they hide it away. The, it's believed that the term afikomen came either from the Greek or the Aramaic. And it would literally mean that which comes after, because it's going to be found after the meal, or it would mean bring out the delicacies at the end of the meal. And so this is something that will come later. And for a lot of Jewish families, this is actually like a motivation for the kids because they're the ones who are going to get to go find it after it's hidden after the meal. And this is some incentive for them not to fall asleep during the meal and to actually make it all the way through. And so um, I'm going to toss this over here. I don't know if you can catch. Hey, Lori can catch. Come on now. The spirit of God is moving. So I want you to hide that away and we will find it here in a little bit. But I want to jump into the the meat of our message. And if you've been around us for, uh, for the past several weeks, we've been in this message series called Concrete. Stability during unstable times. And the way we move is that as a church, we don't like the whole religious things. I just do what we're supposed to do because it's following a set of rules. We are after the will of God for right here, right now. We believe in a, a, an alive God, a God who's aware of what's happening right here, right now. And so we were in a series talking about spiritual gifts and studying there, and we felt like God said, it's time for you to shift a little bit. Shift into this series, concrete, stability during unstable times. And so we've been talking about this for the past several weeks. You can go ahead and uh, listen to some of those or watch some of those other movies uh, or, or uh, messages But um, we're going to continue on this morning, and I'm realizing something really, really exciting is that God meant for this message to be on this day, and it's super, super powerful. In fact, last week, I was thinking about not even going into the vision that Daniel had, and then I realized that the vision of that Daniel had that I skipped over last week was because it was supposed to be shared here on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday. So I'm excited to jump in. We jump into this, uh, this message today with having seen King Nebi, as I like to call him. Everyone say, hey, Nebi. Hey, Nebi. Hey, Nebi. 
King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians have come in. They've taken over Judah. They've taken all the lookers, all the good-looking ones. They've taken all the strong ones and the smart ones, and they've taken them away from their home. They've taken them to Babylon. So they've taken them to a place where they can't meet every Sunday and have church. They have to do it in a different location. It looks a little bit different. It's uncomfortable. It's, it's dark times. It's, it's troubling times. And this is the storyline of Daniel. And um, we've seen Daniel stand up boldly and courageously when people were pointing at his belief system and when his belief system was being belittled. We've seen him stand up boldly and courageously. We've seen um, Daniel walk through impossible situations. Last week, we were talking about what it looks like to have impossible situations in, a, uh, in our lives. And because we've got a God and because a God walks with us who knows no impossibilities, then we get to have that reality also where impossibilities are impossible. And um, so I want to continue on in this story this morning. And I had mentioned we were talking about this vision that Daniel had. And I told you guys last week, I said, hey, everybody go home. And I want you, well, you're actually at home already. So stay home um, and read this vision and you can study it yourself. But I guess that was just a preparation for today. So essentially the, the king had this dream and he said to all the people in his court, uh, the magicians, the enchanters, the dream interpreters, he said, I know that what you guys do is you like to just take whatever I say and make me look good. And so if I tell you the dream, that's just what you're going to do. But I want a true interpretation. I want a true understanding of what this is. So not only do you have to tell me uh, what this dream means, but first you have to tell me what this dream was. And so that is what took place. And uh, uh, Daniel eventually is the only person who is able to step into this because God is with him. So I want to go ahead and jump into the scriptures in Daniel chapter 2, starting in verse 31. It says, and this is Daniel telling this, this vision, you saw, O king, and behold, there was, and this is the image, there was in your dream a great image. Okay, so picture this in your mind, you creative people. Draw a picture in your mind or maybe draw, pe- uh, uh, draw it on a piece of paper. This image was mighty and of exceeding brightness and stood before you and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold. Its chest and its arms were of silver and its middle and its thighs were of bronze and its legs of iron. Its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You guys know how well clay and iron stick together? Not good at all. And this is at the foundation of it. And then you looked, verse 34. A stone was cut by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of the iron and clay and broke them into pieces. Then the iron and the clay and the bronze and the silver and the gold 
altogether were broken into pieces, and they became like chaff of the summer on the threshing floors. And the wind, someone give it a blow, and carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. And, uh, but the stone that had struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And so here's the dream that we have. Let's just break it down. We have this dream and you've got a statue of a man. Okay. Let me get, get out my statue. Okay. Here's my statue. Okay. I've got a little statue of a guy. Okay, you've got a head, which is gold. This is Play-Doh. I couldn't find any gold Play-Doh, so I've got, I think that's orange. But we're going to call it gold. We've got a head of gold. We've got a chest section that is made of silver. You've got a middle section that's made of bronze. And then you've got legs and feet out of iron and clay. And so you see these different things represented within my little statue here. And then I'm going to put this down. Watch. What takes place is we get. Y'all ready? We get this Hulk moment, okay? And we get this giant stone. And what this stone does is it crushes to pieces this little, this little guy. Someone say, poor little guy. Poor little guy. And the pieces all get blown away. All right. So that's a fun dream. It sounds like a dream that I might have, um, especially with the Hulk costume. But let's get into the interpretation. What does Daniel actually say that this dream means? Verse 36. This was the dream. I like how it lays it out. So in my Bible, I've highlighted this. This was the dream. Okay, so I got a little section. This was the dream. And it says in verse 36, now we will tell the king its interpretation. So he's saying, here's what it means. Verse 37, you, O king, O king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, and the might, and the glory. You guys realize what he's doing here? He's making sure the glory goes to the right spot. He's saying, you're the God, this God is the God who sets up kings and puts them in their place and gives them power. And he's the one who's given you power. So let's just get this straight. Sometimes we got to set the record straight. Verse 38, in whose hands he has given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, making you, O king, rule over them all. Listen, in this vision, he says, you are the head of gold. Okay, let me get my little guy. Okay, his leg came off. says, you are the head of gold. Verse 39, another kingdom inferior to you shall rise after you. And yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom strong as iron because iron breaks into pieces and shatters all things like iron that crushes it shall break and crush all of these okay so he's talking about what is to come this is going to take place verse 41 and 
as you saw the feet and the toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. Verse 43, and you saw the iron mixed with the soft clay. Remember that in the feet. So they will be mixed with others in marriage, but they will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven, someone say the God of heaven, heaven. the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. I've got this underlined because this is good news. That shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break into pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to the end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw, a stone was cut from a mountain, not by a human hand, that it broke into pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known the king to the king what shall be after this. This dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. So just making sure you, you catch all that. Right? Do we get it? What are you talking about, Willis? Right? We, we, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure. Right? So here's, here's what we're learning. We've got the head of gold, the chest of silver, the middle part of bronze, and the legs and the feet of iron and clay. What does that mean? What's it mean? Well, there are a couple of different understandings of it, and I tend to lean more towards the literal understanding of it, which is where the majority of scholars would land. And that is that these are talking about different kingdoms that have come on earth. And that first, remember that head of gold, that was Nebi. Someone say, hey, Nebi. Hey, Nebi. And that was the, uh, that was the Babylonian rule from around 625 to 539 BC. And then you've got the middle part, the chest of silver. That would have been the kingdom that would immediately be following that. That would be the Medo-Persian Empire and King Cyrus. We see him in the Bible too. That was from 539 to 331 BC. And then you've got the middle part of bronze. And that would be like Alexander the Great and the Greek Empire of 331-63. All of these things taking place historically because this prophecy is certain, right? And then after that would come the legs and feet, the iron and clay of Rome. But there is a kingdom that says will come after that. You guys remember this, this declaration that we've been making since, since Christmas. We said, here it comes. Someone say, here it comes. And it shall never be destroyed. And it's represented by, by a stone. By, by a stone. But it wasn't just any stone. It was a stone that's not cut by human hands, right? It's not by might, not by power, but by his spirit, declares the Lord. Now, it's a stone that is solid enough. It's a stone that is strong enough, that's stable enough. Some might even say it's a stone that's concrete enough. 
to slay all of the other kingdoms and blow them into pieces. So what is it about a stone? What is it about a stone? We've heard about one stone already, right? That, that Carrie Job song. The ground began to shake. And I felt the ground shaking. The stone was rolled away. His perfect love would not be overcome, right? And we, we, we remember this scene from the Resurrection Sunday story of that stone being rolled away, that Jesus was not in there. But there's, there's another stone to, to consider. Another stone. But what, what other stones could we think of? What other stones are there in the scripture? And I remember back to a stone that Jesus was talking about in Luke chapter 20. You guys remember that story of the wicked tenants where the master goes and he plants a vineyard and then he hires it out and then he goes back home. And so he's got workers working it and it's time to bear fruit. So he wants to get some of that fruit now. And so he, he sends some of his workers over there and the, the people who are then working the vineyard are like, no, I ain't giving you nothing. And they beat the guy up and they send him back. And this happens not once, not twice, but thrice. Three times this takes place. And then the guy's like, all right, I've had enough of this. I'm gonna send my son. And what happens to the son? The son gets murdered. And so uh, at the end of the story, the owner comes and destroys them. I wonder, does this this story sound familiar at all? Is that familiar to what we're talking about? In, In Luke 20, 17, Jesus equates this story to a stone. He says in Luke 20, 17, what then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected had become the cornerstone. So this one piece that society and these builders have tossed aside and said, no, that ain't it. They, they tossed it out. They've rejected it, that this would become the cornerstone, that which is the strong stone uh, on everything else that is, or everything else is built upon it. Verse 18 of Luke 20, everyone who falls on that stone, listen to this, this is nuts, okay? Everyone who falls onto that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anybody, it will crush him. I wonder, does that sound like any type of story that we've been hearing today? Doesn't that sound like the the stone from the story of Daniel? Crushing all the other pieces? And this stone is the kingdom of God. Jesus is quoting this from Psalm 119. And I want to go ahead and invite a worship team to come forward. It says, oh, and you can go ahead and bring that Afi Komen with you, Lori, as you come up. Awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Psalm 118, starting in verse 19. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. And otherwise, in other words, there is not a current path that I can get to where I need to get. So God, I need you to provide a way. Open to me the gates of righteousness. Verse 20, this is the gate of the Lord. 
that the righteous shall enter through it. Now, I wanna invite you in, invite you into Ben's mind a little bit. When it says, this is the gate of the Lord, here's the question I'm asking. What is this? If this is the gate, I, I gotta know what, where this gate is. What is this gate that we're talking about? And hold on, the righteous shall enter through it, only the righteous. So what happens if we're not righteous? Because here's the issue, I'm not righteous. In and of myself, I can't be righteous. I like to break rules. I like to go against things. I, I can't be this righteous in and of myself. And that's why the, the psalmist is saying, I need you, God, because this is a reality for all of humanity. Romans 3 says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This applies to all of humanity. We can't earn this. We can't figure it out ourselves. We need God. Verse 21 says, I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. That's Jesus. The stone that the builders rejected, there it is, that stone. The stone that the builders has rejected became the cornerstone. This is my doing. Mm -mm. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. And then here's the verse that we all like to use all the time. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And I think it's totally cool to use that every day because God has created every day. But this verse in specific points to Jesus. It points to God making a way when there was no way. Jesus is the stone. And so we recall this price that was paid. When Jesus was living before he uh, was crucified, remember he said the kingdom of God is, is now. The kingdom of God is here. And we would understand from scripture that the kingdom of God is here right now, but it's not yet here in full. And that's why he invites us to pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven because we get to invite in and usher in a little bit more of heaven every single day, every single moment. And so Jesus was put up on that cross. His blood was spilled out. He was, where's my afikoman? Remember this? His body was his body was broken, just like they broke that bread. And remember how they took that bread from the unity bag and it was taken out of the second slot, right? There's three slots, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And that middle one, Afikomen, Jesus, God the Son, being broken. And then what's it wrapped in? A white linen cloth just like Jesus was wrapped after his body was uh, experiencing death. And he was put into a tomb and it was hidden away, just like our Afikomen was hidden away for a time to be found afterward, after those three days where the, the linen would come off. And then the child, whoever found this, would lift it up high and say, here it is, here it is. The broken body of Jesus is now made whole. It is back. He is, he's back. Jesus has 
defeated death. He's defeated death. That we get to be forgiven of our sin, that we get to be healed, that we get to be whole, that we get to be righteous, that we get to go to the place that we've actually been created for. Each of us were created for true relationship with God, not just some religious following, but actually walking with God on a daily basis, experiencing him, knowing that he's real. Now, there are times when we go through struggling times when we don't know, and that's fine, but it's, it, this is something that we're welcomed into, a true relationship with Jesus. And I want to give an invitation this morning an invitation, maybe you're hearing this for the first time. Maybe you're hearing this and saying, I wanna be a part of that kingdom. I like the rock, right? I I like that Hulk. I wanna be a part of that kingdom. Maybe you're realizing that you've lived a life where you've thought you were following Jesus, but now you're recognizing that I haven't. And you want to give your life to Jesus right here, right now. We get to do that. We get to do that. So I'm gonna invite all of us. Let's just pray a prayer. And I'm not always down for uh, pray this prayer, recite after me, but it does give a uh, a structure for some things that are helpful, especially for us when we don't know what prayer is or what it looks like or what this should look like. So we come to God in prayer, recognizing that Jesus paid the price for my sins. And uh, as I believe in that, as I confess it with my mouth and I believe in my heart, the Bible says that I'm a new creation, that the spirit of God then comes and dwells inside of me and says, I'm new. And I love that part. Having lived a life of addiction, having lived a life of violence, having gone to jail, right? I can look back at that old me and say, that's not me anymore because I've given my life to Jesus and he says that I'm a new creation. And so let's let's take this into heart. Let's pray together. If you would, you're welcome to pray this prayer. Father God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to pay the price for my sins, to die for me. No longer am I bound by my sin. And here's what I wanna do because I don't want this just to be a simple follow me. Consider those things that you've been living in sin and walking outside of true relationship with God and just say, that's not me any longer. I am no longer an addict. I am no longer someone who's overwhelmed by my thoughts. I'm no longer someone who's overwhelmed by anger. I'm no longer that person who wants to keep going back and fighting people. I'm a new creation. Say that with me. I am a new creation in Jesus. I declare in Jesus, I am made new. Spirit of God, Come and live in me. Come and refresh me. Come and empower me. Help me to follow you. 
Help me to reach out to people around me with the same impact that you're impacting me right now. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' name. Hey, listen, this isn't just a prayer. This is a declaration. And as you would seek to follow Jesus, we've got some good resources to to help you through that. We are a church that seeks to help people take steps in their relationship with Jesus. So comment, send us a message, knock on our door, whatever you gotta do, we would love to walk with you. Listen, he is risen. He is risen in... Hey, hope you enjoyed the message. And remember, the mission field is all around you. So go in the power of Jesus and bring that transformation for his glory.